From Studio A in Greenwich, Connecticut, Carl Higby. Hey, folks, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to the Carl Higby Show. Uh, before I get to my guest, I want to remind you guys, make sure you go on Twitter, at Carl Higby. You can follow me there. We get uh, constant updates about whatever the free-ranging stream of thought I have coming at any given time. Uh, and it's worked out well so far. So, folks, uh, I want to bring in a, a friend of mine who has an e- exemplary record on covering some of the most in, you know intricate issues. Uh, she's a contributor for The Hill. She uh, writes columns. You can go there. Her name is Kristen Tate. Kristen, how are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Carl. Oh, my pleasure. It's been uh, it's been quite some time. We've had we've known each other for what, 5 years now? Yeah, very very uh interesting path over that last 5 years. <clears throat> I think when we first met, Donald Trump wasn't even on the radar to run for president. At least he wasn't on my radar yet. Nope. Uh, so it's been uh, an interesting few years. It sure has. So, um <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but Hillary Clinton actually may run again. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my first reaction was just to laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the heavens have opened up and they have given us the greatest gift again. Here's the thing, though, Carl. She actually has a 75% approval rating about among, among Democrats. And I think she's pissed off. She feels like she was unfairly robbed in the last election. So if she runs again... I actually don't think she'll epically flop. I think she'll come out swinging and do okay. But I still, of course, I don't think she could win. She's lost too many times, and she just reeks of defeat and desperation. So it's it's kind of hilarious. But I also think that she wouldn't do as badly as conservatives assume she would. Oh Well, here's the thing is you're going to have fresh blood. You're going to have Kamala Harris. You're going to have Cory Booker. You're going to have all these people who are saying, you've run, like, how many times has she run? Three times? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, move over. She's also, granted, she is the same age as President Trump. However, her health and her her uh, stamina is not anywhere close. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I, I don't think she would ever win. Uh, but I also don't think Kamala Harris or Cory Booker are winners either. I think the Democrats need to nominate someone young and positive and someone more to the center than like a Kamala Harris. I don't know who that is. Uh, but I do think somebody like that could give Donald Trump a run for his money. I've been saying that Beto O'Rourke is going to run for president either this election or next. Absolutely. I've been saying the same exact thing. Uh, I live part time down in Texas and Houston. And uh, I got to tell you, Carl, I've never seen so much enthusiasm for a Democrat down there. This is not an exaggeration. I saw Tons of Beto stickers, tons of Beto signs. I didn't see one Ted Cruz sign. I drove all around Houston. I didn't see one. That doesn't mean there aren't any conservatives in Houston. It just means they don't want to put signs out because they know they'll get vandalized or, you know, lose friends. Yeah. But it does speak to the enthusiasm around this guy. He's extremely charismatic. He's intelligent. I mean, I think that, you know, his policies are awful, but I, I think that that guy's a Democratic superstar and he could really emerge as someone to watch ahead of 2020. I just loved watching the memes fly. This is I love the Internet because so many people are more creative than me on the Internet. And they said, you know, it's it's racist not to vote for O'Rourke because you wouldn't be like you, you hate Hispanic people. I was like. <laughs> 
His name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. He's I know, actually a like white guy. That's like me running, or it's like you running for office and and saying, "Oh, um, calling yourself Jose," and saying, yeah. "Oh, well, you know, the Jose, that's my nickname." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was literally running against a Spanish, against Ted Cruz, who's Hispanic. I mean, Jesus, it was like right, right. I, you know, I live in Connecticut, the Socialist Republic of, and I, I watched. We got shellacked up here. I mean, Republicans took such a beating; it was un- not you even. Guys, you guys got a Republican governor? Nope. I thought yeah, I thought the Republican won that race. No. Nope. Ned. It was actually he was up before we went. Like as we went to bed the night before, he was up by five, and then the cities came in. Oh God. Yeah, it was real close. It was down to the down to the wire. So Ned Lamont won, and his campaign was literally about like raising tax. Like, and here's the thing: is it wasn't with with in Connecticut. It's a very odd demographic because you had rich white liberals who have who can afford attacks and if they don't like things they just leave it because they have the the financial mobility to be able to get pick up and go to florida or something like that they voted against donald trump in this state because they don't like the way he speaks they for never mind the fact that their 401ks are bigger their capital gains their stocks are going off the chart they voted against him and what they did was is they effectively punished the single mom from inner city bridgeport who has to drive 95 and will pay up to 17 dollars a day in tolls yeah, you're exactly right. And that's why we see these liberal strongholds like New York City and Connecticut and L.A. They're really hollowing out the middle class. Mm-hmm. All you have left in these cities are the uber rich who can afford high taxes and high costs of living. And then the uber poor who uh, depend on the government for handouts and, and they're stuck for housing. And the middle class gets screwed. The ones who can't leave because they don't have the means to do so, uh, they're they're the worst off of anybody. So it's it's really sad. Yeah. Well, your book, what is it? How do I tax thee? Yes. I read. I actually did read it. Well, I didn't. I didn't read it. I bought it on the the digital format. But well, I guess that's reading too. So, um, <laughs> the the issue is, and it was it was fantastic about how you laid out different um, different taxes that we don't even know we pay. I mean, it's shocking. It's like eighty percent of your revenue goes to taxes at the end of the year. That's exactly right. So what incentivized me to write this book is that income taxes actually represent less than half of our personal tax burden. You know, when we talk about taxes all the time, we just tend to focus on that income tax. But there are so many other ways that money is being siphoned out of our wallets into federal, state, and local coffers. So I wanted to expose all of those ways and then also show people how they can uh, change their spending habits to avoid some of those taxes. Yeah, I mean, it is shocking. So, like, I have a, I have a, and I know we're getting way off topic here, but this is just fascinating. The, the, the tax structure is fascinating to me. Is I have a, a an LLC, and I was explaining to somebody versus like, you know, where you have write offs and you know, you know, pre tax and post tax dollars, and they were like, that just sounds illegal. And I was like, no, it's actually like I have a, a well paid accountant who figures this stuff out for me, so I can maximize the money that I spend to go back into the economy and not into the government. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. They just shake you down in every way you can, especially like if you're self-employed like I am, you know, I, I work for, you know, The Hill, I write these books, you get taxed even harder. There's a self-employment tax essentially because you have to pay double for yeah. the benefits like you pay social both sides, security. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it's infuriating, but there are ways that we can avoid some taxes, mostly consumer taxes. So that's that's what I really wanted to to do is empower readers with that knowledge. Yeah. Well, you, my accountant literally explained it to me. It was like because I have 
four income sources okay he um you know i'm not a rich guy by any means don't don't take that that way but um he said any business expenses you have use though you like exhaust all your resources to pay like 25 percent of your mortgage pay your bill your phone bill yep. your you, all yep. that stuff and then your other salaries you get to keep and you don't have to pay those i mean it was like it was pretty shocking to sit there i was like is this legal and he was like absolutely he's like you want to know why rich people don't care about taxes because they don't pay them anyway yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, it should tell you something that it costs the average person, just the average person, well over $200 per year just to help get help filing their own taxes. You're an unauthorized uh, it, employee of the government. Scam. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's the other thing, too, is it takes me, what, 10 hours to prepare to do my taxes. And it makes me an unauthorized, unpaid employee of the federal government. It drives me bananas. Yeah, it, it's infuriating. But like I said... That's just the taxes that you're getting, uh, you know, that's just the money you're paying in your income taxes. There are a lot of other ways you're paying taxes too. Every time you take a plane, every time you go on public transportation, you fill your car with gas, you eat at a restaurant, you see a movie, anytime you really do anything, you're getting taxed. Yeah, especially in Connecticut, my home state, where they, they hammer you with, I think it's 7.5% now. Trust me, though, the, the conservative states can be pretty bad, too, like Georgia and I think Alabama have grocery taxes. I mean, there are weird taxes yeah. that conservative states put in place, too. So they're not off the hook. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is pretty shocking. It is, um, you know, 250 years ago, we fought the Revolutionary War over two and a half percent tax hike in a breakfast <laughs> right. beverage. And now, now we're allowed to, to, you know, allowing the government to do this to us. It is. Yeah, yeah. No, just in these hidden taxes that I talk about in the book, I call them stealth taxes. Americans pay over $650 billion per year in these ta in these kinds of taxes. So just think about your income taxes and, and think about how much extra money we're paying in, in other ways. It, it's quarter. so infuriating. And and what's the, the worst part about this is that often the government isn't even you know honest about when we're getting taxed. They wow. They put these things they call fees into our bills. Like if you look at your cell phone bill, you'll see about 11 different fees, which are essentially just taxes. The The revenue is, is <laughs> siphoned into government coffers. Love it. I mean, it's just, it, 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 you can't make this stuff up. Well, anyway, the book is called How Do I Tax These? I, you should you guys should actually read it. It's, it's pretty fascinating. How many hours of research did you do for that? Oh man, I was sitting in a dark office by myself for a year and a half writing this book, Jesus. but I want to let your listeners know this book is not all gloom and doom. I'm not just telling you how much everything sucks. There are a bunch of solutions <laughs> and there are ways for you to save money. So it's a useful book. Speaking of sucks, um, Broward County, Florida, uh, Snipes, uh, Dr. Snipes. I want to know what the hell she has a doctorate in. I, I searched the internet today. I could not find... Gender studies. Oh, yeah. I guarantee it, you it, it, it's something it's, like yeah. that. It's some weird off-scale doctorate in something that doesn't even matter. African-American pottery by transgender studies. <laughs> I, I don't know. Something exactly. probably something. like that. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's shocking. So anyway, Dr. Snipes has completely botched Broward County, Broward County in Florida. And she has... I mean, honestly, this woman has not followed first off she's pled guilty to like election problems in the past what is she still doing there right right and they make her the election supervisor you know it makes me so mad though carl when i google her name in google news there are a couple headlines that's like oh brenda snipes might be fired 
oh, great, you're going to fire her, that's it? I mean, I would. It's, it would be great if they could take a little more action than just firing her. I mean, this woman's a total scam artist. She's clearly a thug. And the worst that could happen to her is she gets fired? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm literally watching Fox right now, and they're saying Beto uh, 2020. So we were both right Fox. on on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's insane. And I'll, actually, you know what's funny is we were watching – uh, Fox the other night because I don't watch any other network the and this the her picture her headshot comes in from like her official headshot I'm like who the hell is that and my wife is like that's snipes and I was like it was take the picture must have been taken 40 years ago <laughs> it was unbelievable I know I know uh she I mean she is just awful and have you seen her talk to the press she is just downright nasty oh I know she wouldn't uh reveal critical information to the press uh, this woman, it's just, how can you trust someone who doesn't tally votes along the way, who loses thousands of ballots and refuses to turn those ballots in when the polls are closed? It's just mind boggling to me. And now the left is trying to, you know, totally downplay this story. A lot of outlets really aren't even reporting on it. When really, this is a huge national scandal. I mean, Florida is a critical battleground state. And uh, the results in that state are, are important for several reasons. They're a bellwether for 2020. And uh, it's a state with a lot of electoral power. So this stuff matters. And the way the media is treating this story is disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really is. And have you ever noticed also that whenever the um, there's any type of election malfeasance it always goes towards Democrats. Like it oh, never. Oh yeah, yeah. Never There's goes, never like yeah. election fraud that benefits the Republicans. Never. Never. The, the, yeah. There's there's never like one time where you know some Republican is like, we need to recount the ballots because I feel like I was unfairly thing and I'm I'm re <laughs> like like Gillum in Florida is like I'm recanting my concession and all of a sudden things start pushing his directions. Like, are you kidding me? Right, right. Yeah, of course. It always benefits the Democrats. And I, I suspect that's by design. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am I am full blown belief that there is huge election fraud there from the just just judging from the ch lack of chain of custody in the ballot system that there's like video everywhere of this. Like, why is this not a thing? Oh, I know. And when and when she's confronted about this and when her people are confronted about it, they're so like you could at least pretend like you're doing things right. You know, like they're so flagrantly obvious about what's going on there. It's it's just infuriating. Oh, yeah. But I, I still think the Republicans, even after the recount, I think uh, DeSantis and Scott will still be the winners. Oh, please, for the love of God, we need it. It's it, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it would just be. And the other thing, too, is like. Gillum has failed as a mayor. He like he he literally like you tell me one thing that he's running on that has worked historically in any country or any society ever, and I'll be like, oh, all right, cool, Maybe, you know, I'll consider it, but nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, I've always said I think Gillum's biggest downfall is that he proposed a two billion dollar tax increase in florida and people think about why do people move to florida they go there to get away from the taxes they don't and have an income slow. tax they drive it's a very really business slow. friendly state right right so i think that was his downfall it has nothing to do with him being black or you know people being racist i just think floridians don't want more taxes yeah i mean that that literally that it's so florida recruits from connecticut we've lost some of our biggest hedge funds to florida because of the tax policies they spend six months and one day in florida wow yeah i, I believe that i really do yeah um, I mean, shocking 
Uh, and then we were talking in the break, and I know we were going to talk about this later, but we'll just we're, we're rolling. So um, people, these these liberal loons, they're, they're, it is like that. I I don't want to be too harsh on this, but I'm going to go ahead and say this: that it's almost like a plague of locusts. They go to yeah. a state, they vote for people, they vote for idiots who increase taxes, and then because they don't like the tax policy that, by the way, they voted in, they then pick up because they have the financial means and move to tax-friendly states that, oh, by the way, are Republican, and then they institute the same policies that destroy those states as well. It's like it's, it's like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, and we see that happening firsthand in Texas. Uh, Texas just attracts so many people because of the job market and the low regulations. Uh, I think at one point, well over 1,000 Californians were moving to Texas per day. Uh, so it's it's really incredible. Wait, but, you said uh, 1,000 per day? Yes, at one point. That was like in 2013 when the oil market was, wow. was doing very well. I think it's slowed down, but it's still significant. But the, p the point is, these people leave California because they can't find good jobs. They come to Texas where they're offered lucrative jobs. And these idiots vote for higher taxes and Democrats and, uh, you know, these representatives that want to put in place restrictive regulations that will chase business out of town. Um, I was shocked, Carl, that Beto did as well as he did. And if you look at it county by county, the counties that received the most California expats are where he performed the best. So these people aren't just changing the economy of states like Texas. They're changing the culture. They're changing the political landscape. And actually, this is coincidentally what my next book is about, really digging into this and what are the impacts of these domestic migration trends. It's, it's terrifying what's going on. On. But I will say that there are some upsides to this because the conservatives in this country, they're not leaving the country. They're just getting squeezed out of these newly blue states and cities and moving to other places. So it's, right. it's more of a political shift that's happening, yeah. not a takeover by Democrats by any means on so, a national scale. So is it realistic that um, California then becomes red again? Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it'll become red again just because of the demograph the demographic changes we've seen there. Um, but you think I everybody's think certain, liberals, conservatives, it's just going to be a ghost town. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think certain pockets of California are trending red, especially those rural areas. But again, what's happening in California cities is what we touched on earlier, which is that the ultra rich and the ultra poor are staying there, and then the middle class, who for some stupid reason tend to vote Democrat move to Texas for the jobs and they continue voting for liberals. But the, the California cities are done. I think, um, you know, like LA and uh, they're hemorrhaging people, LA, LA and San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, Connecticut, we're a small state. I mean, people in Texas have backyards bigger than us and it's that we're, we're losing 8,000 people a year above the median income. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, you guys are chasing out the insurance industry. Wasn't uh, Connecticut yeah. like, the uh, hub of insurance forever and now so, all those companies are leaving not only were we the hub for insurance we also used to be the number one production state for firearms the constitution state article 1 section 15 of the connecticut constitution reinforces the second amendment so vigorously or so vigorously that you would think that nobody would ever ban a single gun ever it's it's amazing 
<laughs> yeah, how things have changed. Oh, uh, yeah. So, hey, folks, real quick, the Carl Higby Show is brought to you by Great America Pack. It's the longest supporting super PAC of the President of the United States. So you, too, can be a part of this movement. Support the President at Great America App, app.com. Go to Great America App, app.com. It's the primary MAGA community for the America First movement. You can gather and support a Trump. I get, like, updates from them. It's fantastic. When Trump does something that really drives liberals nuts, bing, alert. You can, you can go there. Be among friends. Make sure that uh, you ha- are up to date with everything the president is doing because right now the mainstream media does not tell you exactly what he's doing that's good. Be there. You can find out yourself. So, Kristen, I want to go into this. Did you see the Dan Crenshaw response from Saturday Night Live? Yeah, it was amazing. So, boom. I mean, look, I tweeted something out that went actually viral. Um, I think I had over 20,000 retweets, um, including from both Don and Eric. So, it was... Um, I, I just basically was like, SNL, you're a bunch of bastards. Like, screw you. So it, I think Dan Crenshaw played this beyond perfect. And you know what? I give credit to SNL for going along I with totally it. Do they redeemed yep. themselves totally. Totally agree. Uh, I thought all parties ended up looking good. Obviously, Crenshaw ended up looking the best because he was the one who was targeted in the beginning. But I got to say, I know this sounds cheesy. Like, this kind of gives me hope. I mean, this is what we should be doing. We should be coming together and being, um, you know, we should have this kind of tolerance and a sense of humor, you know? If he wanted to, Crenshaw could have just been like, I'm offended. Like, screw SNL. But instead, he just confronted it and yeah you know made light of the situation but also conveyed a very profound message i thought yeah well these late night shows not saturday night live but the other one um seth something or other myers rogan no not rogan is it i don't know they oh, yeah, uh, yeah they had they 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 did hit piece after hit piece after hit piece on me and like i was like you know what i didn't even respond i was like screw you guys however i would have loved an open debate on that that, like my answer to to uh, problems and intensity and insult is not less debate and shut people down. It's more debate so I can tell you why you're wrong. Totally. The problem, as we all know, is that the left can be extremely sneering and nasty. And it's gotten to the point where it's gotten dangerous for some conservatives. I mean, look at what's happened to Tucker Carlson when his house got ambushed and people are getting run out of Total disaster. Yeah. Um, so I can see why certain conservatives wouldn't be, you know, as welcoming to a dialogue as Crenshaw was, but all things considered, you know, I thought that that particular situation played out really well and I want to see more of it. Yeah. By the way, Tucker Carlson's thing that was, it's pure irony that the anti-fascist, the Antifa and the people on the left that are screaming that Trump is a Nazi and a fascist and the worst person in the world are literally embracing fascism to get their point across. Oh, I know. I know. They're complete, just like violent morons, basically. And (laughs) I think if anything, they end up hurting the Democrats because reasonable moderates and even blue dog Democrats see what's going on with Antifa and it terrifies the hell out of them. And I think it hurts the Democrats because obviously Antifa is closely aligned with the far left wing. Yeah. Well, Democrats literally, they can't help themselves. It's like, that's why with this, you know, with the Democrats having the house, I'm actually kind of excited about this in this next election cycle because they can't help themselves. Like somebody somewhere is going to propose an impeachment bill and they're just going to backfire. It's going to be fantastic. 
Oh yeah, I mean, after Clinton was impeached, he was uh, he enjoyed the most popular segment of his presidency. If they try to impeach Donald Trump, it's going to fail miserably. Uh, obviously, the Senate wouldn't convict, and Donald Trump's popularity would go through the roof ahead right. of 2020. Oh, 100 percent. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, the, the 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 liberal party right now is a freaking dumpster fire of you know difference of opinions and things like that. It, it, to me. And this is, you know, what I want to go into, uh, but real quick, I want to get to this, folks. The, the, uh, this show is also brought to you by U.S. Wellness Meats. Trust me, I'm a fitness guru, former Navy SEAL. I understand the importance of nutrition. From their farms to your table, U.S. Wellness Meats will ship your food for free to all 50 states, Canada, and Puerto Rico. All naturally sustain- sustainably raised foods, small businesses, and family farms. 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, dairy, wild-caught seafood, pasture-raised pork, and free-range pastured pork. Man, Kristen, that is a mouthful. Um, I, I read <laughs> this. That fast. I read it every show, and I still screw it up. It's great for special diets: gluten-free, KDO, paleo, sugar-free. You know, all the all the good diets. These are for professional athletes, but most likely families like yours. I, I order from them all the time. It's fantastic. Best meat on the thing. Go to uswellnessmeats.com. That's uswellnessmeats.com. Limited time only. Promo code freedom because they love America. So the promo code is freedom. Saves you fifteen percent. They'll ship it to you for free. Order now. Whew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no those guys are great i actually order all my food from them it's uh, all my meat from them it's fantastic it's the best stuff um so during the um during these last elections and this this is what we're seeing with the morph of the the democratic party is during these last elections tons of democrats were like screw you i'm not voting for nancy pelosi we have connor lamb jason crow abigail smanberg rashid talib i've never been like i don't michigan 13 i didn't even know that was a thing um Cheryl, uh, Brodinsky, Hayes, Vandrew, Cunningham, Stevenson, Slotkin, I guess that's how you say it, Phillips, Rose, and there's um, a bunch of other ones that avoided the question that said, well, you know, we'll see. Shalala, Donna Shalala, she's a real piece of work. Uh, Davids, Wild, Cass, and Delgado, Wexton, Underwood, Lurie, Papas, and Malinowski. Can she get elected? I think she can and she will, but ultimately I think it's a good thing for the Republicans because it allows Donald Trump to essentially run against Nancy Pelosi in 2020. She's very polarizing and she helps Republicans win elections. Yeah. So I say it's great if she gets elected. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think she's another gift. Her and her, her sidekick, um, uh, Robin, what's her name? Uh, Maxine Waters. She just disaster. I saw the greatest thing the other day that had a a side by side of her and the predator, and I was like, "Gee, actually, it's kind of close." (laughs) I've seen that too. (laughs) I was like, uh, "What was the other one?" Uh, There was another one with like um, her and Yoda. I think it was. It was just like, I mean, this is the kind of Carl. That's racist. No, it's yeah, exactly. That's the thing. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? I mean, like, look, you Google my name. Apparently, according to CNN, I'm the most racist human on the planet. Um, even though I headed, you know, community service for the United States government for nine months. So by that, be that as it may, um, that is the, that is the only fallback they have. If you don't vote for somebody, you're racist. Right, right. Or if you don't like somebody's policies who happens to not be white, you're racist. I know. It, it, I mean, it, it, it's insane. It, that was the same thing we were just talking about with the Beto O'Rourke. I'm like, Beto's white. He's like, he's like, <laughs> right. Ted like, Cruz is the Hispanic. Yeah, he's like printer paper white. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I you can't make this stuff up. The other thing too, which is like, I find the most ironic thing in the world is that Democrats own 70 
of the 100 wealthiest congressional districts, not to mention their candidates own and and garner more donations nationwide from the top 1% than the Republicans do. Do they really represent the middle class as they say? Not anymore. I mean, the days of blue dog Democrats seem to be over. But I think we're at a point right now where the Democratic Party, and I don't know if the leadership is thinking about this or not, but they should be. What is their identity? You know, are they going to go far left off of this, you know, progressive path? Or are they going to go back to their blue dog roots? And I think that the Democrats win elections when they bat to the center, not when they bat to the left. But a lot of people don't understand that. When you bat to the left, you get idiot college kids and you get, you know, these rich limousine liberals. But you're not going to get the middle class and the working guys and the factory workers. And th- those are the people that the Democrats left behind in the last election. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing, too, is you look at the, the, the moderates like the Connor Lambs and stuff or the people who won. It's the like crazy liberal areas, like especially the people who voted against Kavanaugh. All three of them got unseated. Joe Manchin played blue dog Democrat, and he retained his seat by by a narrow margin. But he retained his seat, and the second the election was over, he's like, "Oh, Trump is the worst guy in the world." Right? No, exactly. I mean, people like Manchin are kind of in a tough position though because. He needs to be a moderate to win elections, but he also needs those progressive voters. But I think, you know, Democrats' successes vary based on where they're running. Obviously, the far-left progressive loons will do very well in deep blue pockets of the country, but that's not going to work in West Virginia. The question is, what kind of Democrat can win a national presidential election? And I happen to suspect that it's going to be the more moderate kind of Democrat. I just don't know if if the Democrats have learned their lesson from uh, past elections because these primaries always weed out the moderates and you get stuck with these really extreme candidates who flop in the presidential election. Here's where I got to push back on you, though, is like you say Joe Manchin's in a tough position. I say that Joe Manchin should adequately represent his people all six years of his Senate term, not just up leading up to an election. Like he he got elected on the fact that he's like, I'll work with Trump. I voted for Kavanaugh and like uh, like all these things. And then he turns around and says, screw you, people. I'm going to go with my party here. I mean, it's like, of course, he should do that. I mean, obviously, he should do that. But politically, he's in a tough position because he doesn't want to be on the outs with his party in D.C., yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, he, this is the problem. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I thought about a lot of people after this election. I was like, Carl, you need to run for office, you know, and they were like, we've we've tried the well polished, rich white guys from Greenwich. I mean, granted, I am a white guy from Greenwich. I'm not rich, but um, I'm, I'm comfortable. But they said we don't have people who fight. Then I was like, why don't I just register as a Democrat and run and see what the hell happens? I mean, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll automatically get 30% of the vote from people who are just told to vote Democrat their entire right, life. Right, 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 right. You know? That's actually what happened in Texas. Uh, you know, Beto got tons of Dems to the polls. Yeah. And these people didn't know anyone but Beto, but they just voted down ballot Democrat. Oh, so yeah. we got stuck with, like, all these idiot liberal judges. And, oh, it was horrible. Well, I mean, like, Hillary won Connecticut by such a massive margin that if I ran Democrat, like... Honestly, like I'd pull over a bunch of Republicans and then I'd keep the majority of the Democratic Party. And I think I could I think I could snake out a win. 
That's actually very interesting. I hope you do that just so we can see like how that works out because I suspect you're probably right. I, and here's the other thing too is like I honestly think that I could I could run as a Democrat and say like, look, here's what I stand for. Like I'm for guns. I'm for low taxes. I'm for this. But what I'm also for is like, you know, I've come a long way in the, my views of like, look, you want to be gay? Great. Fine. I'll support you all the way. You want to be, you know, the other day when... Um, I can't, I like, I, I was literally standing up for Islam in the sense that people were trying to get people to stop practicing Islam in a certain scenario. And I was like, that's like, I don't agree with that religion, but I stand up for the right to practice. Like if I ran on, like, I, I want to legalize pot. Like I'm on the board of a, a CBD company, one of these, T, the non-THC CBD companies. Like I am, I, I'm personally pro-life, but I'm legislatively pro-choice. Like, these are the kind of things that actually could garner some support on a national level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I wish we had more people who were running on more nuanced platforms like that. Yeah. Um, well, that's our generation. Especially, like, when it comes to, like, younger voters, they don't align with the Democrats or the Republicans on every single issue. So it would be refreshing to have candidates who did that. But what the Democrats have done better than Republicans is communicate to them they say if you don't fit 100 percent, if you don't fit 100 percent with the republican party you're welcome in the democratic party and they've, they're winning that battle oh yeah they're they're winning the communication battle for sure um but i've always said and i know you might disagree with this i've always said if the republicans move to the right on fiscal issues from where they are and move to the left on social issues i think they could start doing better in that battle of communication because right now the Democrats crucify the Republicans on social issues uh, and do a very good job at painting them as out of touch on things like abortion, the drug wars, gay marriage, all that stuff. Yeah. And the other thing too, is if, if I, I tell you, if the Republicans pass in this lame duck session, a balance or tried to pass a balanced budget amendment, you might be able to get enough Democrats on on board with that to, to maybe not pass as a constitutional amendment, but to garner major. I mean, like they, they, really, they need to stop running races and start running PR campaigns like the left does. Oh, I mean, that would be great. The problem is that Republicans just don't do that. And they allow the Democrats to crucify them every time. D uh, Donald Trump is the only one who actually fought back. And I think that's why he won. Yeah. I mean, people had had enough. And that was, you know, the last thing I really want to talk to you about is why people support Trump. And I've said from day one, people are like, oh, my God, can you imagine that he said this? It's like, I don't care. Well, he did this when he was a you know, business. I don't care. It, it, when, when you tell a liberal, like, I don't care care what i care about is somebody coming in and blowing up the traditional system that doesn't work and fixing it like that is what i care about and i mean look you write for the hill they're not known for being conservative like what do people say when you're like oh yeah i'm, I'm pro-trump oh they get so angry but to your point earlier I don't think Trump won in spite of his rhetoric. I think he won because of his rhetoric. I think people who support him support him because of the way he communicates. Conservatives and frankly, a lot of independents were completely fed up with the way things were in DC. They are sick of sending these overpaid fat cat, federa, you know, career politicians to DC who don't do anything for us. And we finally had this outsider come in and just blow it all up. We love his, you know, his, his, 
sort of unusual way of doing things, his unorthodox communication methods. I think Trump's communication style helped him. Now, does it mobilize the left as well? Of course it does. They hate the way he tweets and the things he says. But I think that amongst conservatives, that's a big reason why he won, more so than any policy, I would say. Yeah. Well, I have said from time and like, and I said this during the election, I've been running political candidates since I ran in 2014 for office. I ran for Congress and lost. So the the thing that I find most fascinating about Donald Trump is that he motivates both sides equally. And I said, people are like, how can I lose with Donald Trump on my side? I'm like, because the other side is just as motivated to vote against you. So I always tell people, clock tower theory. Every t- small town America has a broken clock tower in the city center that's never been fixed and has been broken for 30 years. And everybody who's run for office says, when I'm elected, I'm going to fix that clock tower. I just said, shut up, don't say it, just go fix it. And then say, I fixed the clock tower. And I did that before I got elected. And it works. And that's what Donald Trump did. He's like, I build buildings. Is the building built? Build the damn building. Can I move into the top floor? Yes, it's done. No, it's not. It doesn't matter how many people you meet. It doesn't matter who you know or talk to. Is the building built? That's what people wanted. They wanted a dude who actually did stuff. Oh, for sure. And and that's why I always laugh, you know, when, when I talk to older people or, you know, like these limousine liberals who, when, when you suggest people who might run for office, like when I first said, oh, Donald Trump might do kind of well when he was running in the primaries, they laughed and said, oh, well, he doesn't have any political experience. Political experience doesn't mean anything anything anymore if anything it hurts you voters (laughs) want real experience as you just said they want someone who's built the buildings who has a track record of actual success in the real world these career politicians haven't done anything many of them never even visit their home states anymore so if anything political experience actually harms candidates today yeah and the thing is is like we've gotten We've gotten to where we are with a lot of people with political experience, and it's what twenty-one trillion dollars in debt. I mean, it's like, give me a break. Like, this is the exactly. They've done nothing except spend more money right. and expand government. Yeah, and shocker, there it's it's not worked. Hey, um, you know, before I go into the last topic, Chris, I want to say thank you very much. Where can people follow you? Where can they find your book? Where can they, you know, view your work? Thank you so much for having me. My book, How Do I Tax Thee, is available on Amazon. It'll show you a bunch of different ways to save more of your hard-earned money, and it's a fun read. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. My handle is Kristen B. Tate, and Kristen is spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-N-B-Tate. And then my website, which is KristenBTate.com. Awesome. What is What is the middle name? Brittany. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's not. Mine's. I my, wish you were cooler. But my, mine's yeah. Milo. All right. Give me a break. So. <laughs> the reason I always put the B in there is because there's a porn star named Kristen Tate. So is it's like really? she already owns all of the Kristen Tate stuff. It's oh, very God. unfortunate. So I have to put the B in my name for everything. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that, but now I'm totally making fun of you for that forever. It's 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 so funny because I you know my entire life people have said to me like. Oh, your middle name's Milo? I got a dog named Milo or a cat name. I'm like, great. That's nice. So my like from when I was a little kid, my goal is like, I'm going to have 100 dogs and I'm going to name them Steve, Mike, Ben, Andrew. <laughs> like, So when someone's like, oh, I got a dog named Milo, I'm like, screw you. I got a dog named Tim. 
You know? That's hilarious. My best friend has two dogs named Derek and Sarah. It's just like hilarious. I, I just find it so funny when people give their dogs humans human names. Oh, when I had when I had uh, I, have, I have two kids, so I wanted to name you know if I had a boy I wanted to name Kim a Colt. If I had a girl I named one a Kimber, and they were like, you know, actually my so one's from my ex wife. So my son now with my current wife. Um, I want to name Colt. My wife was like, that's such a great name. I really, it's a strong name. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite gun manufacturers. She was like, absolutely not. We are not naming him Colt. <laughs> she's, she's, I mean, she's Republican, but she was like that, you know what? If you hadn't told me that you could have got away with it, but. Oh, so you didn't get to name him Colt. No, 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 no I did uh, not. Unfortunately. That's so, why you don't say that until after he's born. I know. You guys have the birth certificate with Colt on it. I thought about it because we had a C-section. I, I was the one who signed it. I could have just like fudged it in there and been like, <laughs> well, that's what we agreed upon. I don't know. <laughs> so, all right, Kristen, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Carl. No problem. So, hey, uh, folks, special thanks to my friends again at Great America Pack uh, for bringing you this show. They have been an ally of the present, like I said, long before the 2016 elections. They've never wavered. Your support not only means a lot to them, but it means a lot to the President of the United States and, he, and what he's done. So you can go to www.thankstrump.us. That's thankstrump.us. So if you go there, you can leave your feedback. The President, you know, when he's getting hit by the left-wing media, he can go there and realize that there are people that really support him and he can read it right there. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. So we were talking about why people support Trump. And I really think this is an important topic to continue on is the fact that people don't care how he speaks. People, and, and some people do. Look, so, and that's not going to change. But you have to understand that some most of America doesn't care how you say something. They care about what you do after you say it. And what he's done is he has actually unequivocally done more than almost any other president. He accomplishes things. He sets a goal and he achieves them. And he does. He I, I've seen him operate like this. He will he will ask people why isn't this done? I told you to get this done last week. And if you don't have it done, it's just like a private company. You don't have a job. Okay, Jeff Sessions, I like the guy personally. He was not getting the job done. He was not aggressive. He recused himself from the Russia investigation. He needs somebody who's going to go out there and for, you know, to use a movie term, cash some checks and snap some necks. That's what kind of guy Trump is. And that's why we love him. And there's some people out there. Yes, there are. I will tell you, he badly missed the female vote. He did. It was almost 65, uh, 35. Okay, he missed that that vote, and I I, I want to help him figure out a way to fix that. And if it means changing just one thing, I I believe he'll do it. And and, and the message was received with the House. We get it. Okay, thirty eight or forty seats, I think. Message received. I get it. But I don't like when you ask me how could you be okay with this. I'll tell you how, because I don't care what he says. Or how he says it. I care about what the end result is. And the end result is I am better off now than I was three years ago. Period. Period. And I've noticed overseas, and this is the last thing I want to get to, is that Macron, he's taken a page from Trump's book. And this is, there was a a nice article in Politico, the .eu edition. So I'm going to read you the first paragraph. Europe must increase spending 
but the money should go to European, not American companies, French President Emmanuel Macron said in his interview in which he delivered a rebuke to Donald Trump's self-proclaimed nationalism. Welcome aboard, Macron. That is nationalism. He tries to patch it off as patriotism later down in the article, the difference between being a patriot and a nationalist. You are representing this, and this is something, Donald Trump has done this, and people don't even realize they're on his side. Donald Trump has driven people to support their own nation. He has driven extreme nationalism across the globe. And that is the thing, is these globalists, these globalists for too long have said, oh, we need to care for the whole world. And now even Macron is saying, we need to look out for France. This, to me, is a win. And even though he's not, he's, he's pissed at Trump and he's going to do something, he's, he's trying to do something against America, the fact of the matter is, Trump has instilled a nationalism in everyone. And here's the deal. He is the art of the deal. He can, he can win this over. He can take that national pride and say, yes, yes. Um, and, and he will make us a more unified world. I, I, I promise you this. To me, it is so shocking that for so long people have rejected nationalism and now that they're coming back to it, it, it just, it, 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 I'm actually happy. Good for you, France. Be proud of France. Be France first because we're America first. Be France first. And if you have the best interest of your country in line, great. But what now what Macron wants to do is he actually wants to build his own um, his own military hardware in case we need to defend against America. Let me tell you, Macron, you're safe. Nobody's coming after France. Nobody's coming after France at all. So, I, you know, I say this. I really want you to feel safe in Europe because nobody's going to fight you. Our military's not coming after you. Nothing like that. So, Macron, rest easy. I encourage you to, to, to embrace the nationalism. Don't try to send it off as something else. It is nationalism, and that's okay. It's okay. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Carl Higby Show. Make sure you follow me at Carl Higby that we just had Kristen Tate on. She's the author of How Do I Tax The Fantastic Book. I actually read it. Um, folks, we will see you tomorrow night. Don't go anywhere from your mobile devices or anything like that. We'll be back tomorrow night. New guests, new times, new topics. We'll see you there. Thanks.